Do you currently find yourself in the permaculture pit, full of knowledge and enthusiasm for your permaculture journey, but not sure what steps to take next? I can help you find your way up, out, and onward from this pit with a single meandering session. In an hour-long phone call, together we'll explore your specific situation and collaborate on actions you can take as soon as we end the conversation. Find out more at thepermaculturepodcast.com slash meandering. This is the Permaculture Podcast. This episode is a re-release of a conversation that was originally shared as a bonus episode on Patreon back in 2016, after co-host David Bilbrey attended the Prairie Festival and had a chance to talk to Martin Ping of Hawthorne Valley Association. I'm re-releasing this again as an introduction to Martin's work and influences ahead of a new interview David and Martin recently recorded. During this conversation, David and Martin talk about a holistic approach to education and how these ideas can be integrated into cooperative farm life and farm living, and the work of Hawthorne Valley Association, over now 50 years, to create an integrated learning campus that has brought agricultural experiences and education to tens of thousands of children with the goal to educate the whole child and raise up full human beings. Enjoy this brief interview with Martin, and I'll join you again after. This is David Bilbrey with EcoThinkIt.com and the Permaculture Podcast. I'm here with Martin Ping, who's the executive director of the Hawthorne Valley, Valley Association. Association. Got it. And uh, he's a longtime friend of uh, Wes Jackson and uh, Wendell Berry and was one of the founding members of Sl- the Slow Money Movement with Woody Tash. And uh, we're just at the end of the Prairie Festival here. And so I just wanted to get your thoughts on the festival and uh, a little bit more about just your involvement in all these different movements well going to the festival first it it was a a fabulous weekend uh really great to be here on the 40th anniversary and to honor and celebrate west jackson's achievements very worthy of celebrating and i would say my already rather heightened opinion of of west that i couldn't think uh, could have gotten more elevated was exponentially increased by seeing the quality of the people that mm-hmm. he has surrounded himself with and the people who have been part of the Land Institute for its entire 40-year journey. Most impressive to see so many left-brain, right-brain, heart-brain people all under one tent was just uh, off the charts. It was impressive. There's a lot of brain power in there and the scientists are uh, they are great and they all have sense of humor, which I don't know if that's always the case with scientists. <laughs> oh my gosh, sense of humor and David Orr. He's priceless, and I th- thought uh, Mary Berry's introduction of her dad today was just one of the absolute highlights of the of the entire weekend. Well, uh, so how long have you known Wes Jackson? Goodness gracious, uh, you're talking to somebody who's seriously chronologically impaired, <laughs> but uh, it's been probably going on a couple decades anyway, and. Uh, he's been out to Hawthorne Valley a couple times at least, or a few times, and I've always wanted to make it out here, and uh, this is actually the first time I've, I've made it to the land, fantastic. so yeah, it was fantastic. So how did you guys meet? It was probably actually at a Schumacher lecture, uh, was our first meeting, and I was invited to dinner with him, and we just hit it off, and and been, you know, feeling like allies in all this work ever since of course he's light years ahead of me and i feel like you know like a kind of a disciple with all these gentlemen who fred kirschman who i've also known for 20 years he he's, was a keynote speaker at our 25th 
anniversary at Hawthorne Valley. Wendell was going to do it and then couldn't and recommended Fred, thankfully, because Fred and I have become dear friends over that ensuing mm-hmm. period. And Fred, Wendell, Wes, these guys are all cut of a cloth that is just uh, a quality of human being that I can only hope I could one day grow into. <laughs> and and David Orr, I put him right in the same camp and his, uh, his, his humor today I feel opens everyone's hearts so that when Wendell spoke we're all able to take it in at a, a really much deeper level you just you can't help but open up when when you are laughing so hard like that right so tell me about your work at the Hawthorne Valley well my my work now as executive director is that's like a nice title but I think of myself as executive servant just my job is to hopefully create the conditions for a good workspace for all of my colleagues and, and and help them have the resources that they need and to uh, do their work there's roughly 200 people working there we're we're uh, based on a biodynamic farm we're farming 750 acres we own about 300 acres of those farmland we lease another 450 and and we have a couple we own a couple hundred acres of woodlands so we have all together own like 500 acres and lease 450 we have a dairy herd that's really the heart of the farm they're providing the fertility for growing the soil and then we have the byproduct of milk which we bottle and sell raw in our store on the farm and we process uh, yogurt and soft and hard cheeses in our own creamery and distribute them both direct marketing in our store and through our green markets in Manhattan five markets that we do down there that's Manhattan, New York, not Manhattan, Kansas. <laughs> a little settlement at the bottom of the Hudson River there. And we uh, have a bakery, and we, we actually grow, grew about 60 or 65 acres of grain this year. And we're processing that and using it in our bakery. Again, mostly direct marketing in our store and the, and the um, green markets. The yogurt gets pretty widely distributed through United Natural Foods. We have a crowd cellar with making lacto-fermented raw veggies and sauerkrauts and kimchi and that's really kind of our fastest growing line everybody's very interested in the probiotics uh, we have four csa groups and and a farm store an 8,000 square foot store on the farm like a whole retail grocery store and that's makes up what we think of as the enterprise side of the operation then we have education and research so what we began with in 1972 bringing school-aged children from this from the city and from boston and baltimore and dc they come on a monday morning get dropped off they stay for a week in the main farmhouse and they have this deep immersion into a kind of agroecological experience yeah so this program with bringing children's school children as classes during the school year and then it converts to summer camps with the same agroecological theme it remains the heart and soul of our work i see it as the repair work of allowing us to reconnect to the larger story that we are all a part of this idea that we've you know we're somehow separate from nature has uh, led to so many of our modern challenges whether they're ecological social or spiritual and to when you provide opportunities for people, especially young people, to have that reconnect, to pull a carrot out of the ground and 
be all saucer eyed and say, whoa, food comes from the ground. And, you know, it all begins there and things that just inherently make sense and allow us to reclaim parts of our humanity that are somewhat disrupted by the modern, more modern mental rational construct and mechanization, technology and materialism. So we love to do this with children. Nine year old is a perfect age, but we have all kinds of ages coming around 600 children a year having this residential week on the farm and we have another 1,200 kids in different various day programming. We have a, a pre-k through 12 Waldorf school, about 250 students in that. We have adult ed, we do teacher training, we have arts initiatives, art training, we have a theater company, we have uh, agroecological research, a biologist, a botanist, anthropologist, and a technician all on staff full-time, create, you know, creating a scientific understanding and basis for how our relationship with the land can be uh, mutually a mutually beneficial one, that the, hopefully the land can uh, prosper and and the farmers as well can um, actually be in, have enhancements through a, a deeper understanding and awareness of what's already living in, on the farm and around the farm in the, in the woods and the kind of margin lands, the edge lands. That's Farmscape Ecology. We do some uh, economic and social research. We have a small publishing press. We have uh, farmer training, um, apprentice program, uh, whole farm planning, farm beginnings like the Land Stewardship Project, who spoke today, and, um, and then this, some, something we call the Institute for Mindful Agriculture, which is really trying to uh, also attend to the inner soil of the farmer. So I think that's roughly mostly all that we're doing. I usually <laughs> miss something. My colleagues will remind me. Yeah, it's, uh, it's over 45 years. It's grown into a you know, fairly interesting complex organism and in a way starting from understanding the land through the lens of farmscape ecology program having that intersection of agriculture and human intention adding value direct marketing retailing distributing wholesaling consumer awareness education in a certain sense it's a tiny little microcosm of a larger food system or food organism so we're paying attention to that and trying to understand how we can promote some of the ideas and values that we've practiced in our what we call associative economics which is just very open book so that all of the participants are aware of the needs of the other participants and enter into the whole arrangement and relationship knowing that the whole system is only as healthy as the we'll say the least healthy part you don't want any part of the system to be kind of compromised or mm -hmm. Or you know, suffering because one one of the other parts is trying to somehow get the upper hand. So, right. so that's uh, that's where it's 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 a work in progress. It always will be, but it's a great place to walk to work. Our our mission of social and cultural renewal through the integration of education, agriculture, and the arts seems to me like it has some measure of job security because we have a long way to go to renew society and culture. But there is also um, a, a foundational thought in the writings of one of our founders in the 19, late 1960s where he said that done well our work together will create a place in which it's possible to become in a true sense a full human being mm. and so as I walk to work every morning down the cow lane with my granddaughter in tow <laughs> walking her to school down the same path I walked her mother to school down 
I have that thought in my mind every morning of I'm walking to a place where we're striving to make it possible for people to become whole and full human beings. And it's just such an immense privilege. It sounds really rewarding because not only have you created this sense of place with your family, but then you've got all these other people coming through there and forming the minds of these kids, which is essential to, I mean, this, this chain, this transformation is really uh, mostly about a cultural transformation more so than agricultural. Right? So well, it's the putting the culture back in agriculture. Right. <laughs> right. One of the things we hope, we hope we're doing. And no, you're absolutely right. And they talked a lot about, um, you know, education, uh, higher education here at the Land Institute and the, the whole idea of the um, ecospheric education, ecospheric curriculum for higher education. And I was raising my hand and, and talking to Wes and others afterwards and saying, I don't think we should wait until university age. I think we need to find ways to push that further down the educational chain because you want uh, you don't want to have to undo all the thinking that comes from right. a, like an industrialized, fully industrialized mind. And the That's whole really educational setup is really it was designed for the industrial revolution. So there's so much wrong with not the curriculum itself, just the entire structure. Right. And so I'm very interested in moving the dial on that one and and uh, it was interesting a couple of weeks ago i was at the mind life uh, europe conference in brussels on the theme was power and care with uh, his holiness the dalai lama and the dalai lama's emphasis through the whole weekend all the sessions if i summed it up in one word was education we really need to do mm-hmm. a better job of educating young people to have uh, empathy and compassion and love and absent that uh, I don't think that we can really expect uh, all that much to change. I know it sounds like naive and squishy and everything like that, but I don't care. <laughs> I don't. No, I, I'm right with you. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And and the, the, to your point of not waiting until college, absolutely. I mean, I've been thinking, how can you get like permaculture and whole systems thinking into them? Uh, you know, first, second grade, but at least middle school. <laughs> so I think I think you should keep pressing Wes and Land Institute on that creating that curriculum for the, the lower because it it's a lot easier to just have it ingrained in their thoughts all the way up yep. then have to convert them later yeah now that's how we don't I really it. have time for that we, we have enough energy converting the people that are already grown up let's just start the the young people with a, a huge head start of just having this as part of their operating system I totally agree and it's it's their whole operating system so we, we you know think of educating the whole child and it's not it's certainly their intellect uh, but it's also their heart and their powers of empathy and compassion which we god knows we need a lot more of right now uh-huh. uh, and then it's their engagement of their will and their volition and their ability to act in the world on their uh, following their intellect and their heart so those educating the whole child and uh, doing so in a way that is uh, in in just inherently uh, reverential towards nature of which we are a part and so we're honoring ourselves and the create you know this 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 like sacred creation that we're participating in i really believe the children should just experience that on a on a daily basis and because our school is on a farm and it's all highly integrated we have what we i call it an integrated learning campus and an action lab so the the conditions are there and the the curriculum is really designed to be uh, age appropriate so that the youngest children are really just playing and learning through imitation and doing cooking food and tending animals and doing things that 
you know, we've done as a species forever, or at least for the last 10,000 years, as was pointed out here. And then we're we're uh, move that up and try to make a kind of vertical curriculum that at least keeps them connected to place and land and and uh, all of the benefits that come from that. So, as I said, it's a work in progress, and I think there's uh, in the early childhood piece, I don't think we can really improve much at all. It's, I'd give my right arm and left leg to keep that going just as it is. And as we move up through the upper grades, I think constantly challenging our imaginations as to how we're really. Uh, there for the young people and serving them in the right way is um, yeah I feel incumbent upon us to just be very 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 awake okay, yeah, I, I think that's really important work how long have you been doing that piece of, of it which piece now with the kids oh well the school started the, the visiting, first visiting school came in the fall of 1972 so a oh, long time okay so we, we've had 600 kids a year for 45 years on our farm so, so that's uh, like 25,000 kids I, or could, I could talk to you for probably a couple hours right now but we both need to go so as a way of wrapping this up for now um, do you have an example of some of the kids that you've uh, taught and uh, where they've ended up or they've come what they've come back and told you about their experiences well, there's two things. There's uh, the, the young people who come through the visiting schools program, which is their week on the farm. Two of the people who came with the first class in 72 ended up working full-time at Hawthorne Valley. One of them is still my colleague, and one of them retired you know, last year or two years ago. Uh, people come back as, they come as third graders, they come back as campers, then counselors in training, then full-time counselors, then they, some of them come to work here, or they go away and uh, call us up when they're adults and say, I'm getting married, can I get married at, on the farm? So we're delighted that, that the connection is that strong just from a one-week experience. And that's pretty much, you know, been my experience from anyone across the spectrum of 1972 till present when they talk about their farm trip as they call it mm -hmm. they're they become animated they remember every little detail about it and they pretty much the last one say it was a watershed moment in my life and so there's a as much as it may seem simple and it is and as much as we could run the risk of taking it for granted if we have it on a daily basis seeing it through the eyes of young people week after week having these kind of little mini epiphanies is uh, a recognition of how profound it actually is and how important and necessary it is for us to have an uh, opportunity to put our biophilia, our, our innate love of, of, of life into, you know, give it a, a place to come to expression. And that's what I hope we're doing. From the Waldorf School, the gra first graduating class from the high school, the school started in 73, the first 12th grade to graduate was sometime in the 80s. Uh, and those students are, you know, in an eclectic variety of professions. And uh, I was just talking to one of them uh, who's now a parent in the school, like my daughter, who's gra a graduate and also now has a child in the school. A lot of alums bringing their kids back. And the person just said, you know, everyone I know is successful and happy. And she said, an emphasis on happy, how many people can really say that nowadays and so I hope you know and I and again it's different for every person so I'm not gonna make some kind of claim that we've some you know I'm not gonna get on a pedestal or say we're perfect or anything like that but I hope the picture that we work with is that human beings come onto this earth with a purpose and a <laughs> calling 
And our job as so-called educators is to hopefully create the conditions for them to hear that inner voice and to really meet themselves and follow their path and in life. And so when you're successful and you see somebody really align with what is their task and they seem so absolutely met and happy and healthy and then you think, okay, this is good. Can we do that for every single person? Uh, probably not. But what an incredible gift for the majority of them that you, you can, because you carry that through life. I did not have that kind of education, and you know, uh, I'm coming to find that voice and things in the last several years, but I'm in my 40s now. It would have been great to know it in my teens or 20s, so that, that's an incredible gift you're giving those people, and the world, because they become who they're, you know, they find that, that gift and that calling and can move into it when they still have youthful energy to well, we looked, I looked at youth now, I mean, sad to say, they have a lot of cleanup work to do on what my generation and, and others have, you know, kind of, we've left them uh, <laughs> a big task. Yeah. And, uh, and I hope that we're giving them the support and the fortification to step into that. Because as Fred said this morning, you know, when he said crisis is... Uh, can lead to a moment of grace. Thomas Berry, mm -hmm. he was quoting Thomas. I love that quote. One of my favorite writers, thinkers, and I had the also the privilege in, of meeting him once before he passed. And he was, you know, he has had a huge influence on me. Uh, when Fred said that and said, we're going to have a lot of grace, moments, moments of, grace of grace coming grace, forward. Right. You know, he and I were talking about it earlier uh, over a meal this weekend. And uh, and I was talking about, he was asking how things were going at Hawthorne Valley. And I was just giving him a little picture and uh, he said, well, Martin, you know, we really, we, we really have to be there for the young people because, because they're inheriting our mess. They gotta have, we have to really try and create the conditions where they have the inner strength to, to step into these moments of disruption and crisis that are certainly gonna be uh, experienced in their lifetime. It's a tough one. So. Well, thanks for taking a few minutes to talk. I'm incredibly encouraged by your work and finding yet another person I didn't know existed before that's been doing great work for decades. So thank you for your work and uh, we'll definitely talk again soon. Well, thank you. It's uh, nice chatting with you. It was great to meet you in Lawrence and here. And uh, I look forward to welcoming you into the Hudson Valley one day. Come check out our work. I'll have to get up Come there. kick the tires and see if, if I just was giving you a bunch of manure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> and that was Martin Ping. Find out more about him and the many enterprises and experiences of Hawthorne Valley Association at hawthornevalley.org. As I mentioned in the beginning, this was originally a bonus episode for Patreon supporters. You can find other exclusives like this, as well as weekly updates, a monthly AMA, a community discord, and discounts on consultations and meanderings at patreon.com slash permaculturepodcast. During the interview, Martin mentioned several people that I'd like to point you to in order to deepen your understanding of Martin's particular perspective. The first is David Orr, someone whose work I've followed extensively when studying environmental education because his writings have been influential on creating a holistic approach to education. If you're interested in how to best share the concepts of permaculture and develop a PDC curriculum that works best for you and your students, I highly recommend David Orr's book, Earth in Mind. Martin also referred to Fred Kirschman. Fred is a professor, organic farmer, and board member of the Stone Barns Center for Food and Agriculture in New York. He's also been interviewed by co-host David Bilbrey for the episodes Farming for Future Generations 
and planning for future generations. You'll find links to those conversations and Stone Barn Center in the show notes. The recently recorded, in-depth conversation with Martin Ping, examining where his thoughts and work are in 2021, will arrive in late May. Until then, spend each day engaged in educating whole human beings while taking care of Earth, yourself, and each other.